Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Carver for three. He missed it. Durant's got the rebound. 50 seconds to go for the Warriors. They're down by two. Durant at the left side. Calls his own number down, and he hit a three. Durant hit a three. The Warriors lead by one. 114-113 with 42 seconds to go. Love will fire a desperation three. Hit the shot clock on the carom. 1.5 to go. And the Golden State Warriors are going to wrap this up here in Cleveland. Cleveland just got hit in the gut in the last 30 seconds. And the Warriors now inbound, and this game is over. Overall, it was just uh, an incredibly tough, resilient performance. It wasn't our smartest game that we've played all year, but it was maybe our toughest in terms of our uh, our ability to to just hang in there. And uh, nothing was really going our way, but we were were still there, and we just had to kind of stay with it. And I thought our guys did a really good job of that. Well, everybody wanted a game, and we finally got a great one in the NBA Finals, as described there from the Warriors Radio Network, a gut punch that the Cleveland Cavaliers took. They thought they were going to make this a 2-1 series. Instead, the Cavaliers, in the final three minutes, did not score, missed their last eight shots. Last team in an NBA Finals to go the final three minutes without a hoop. Ironically, the 2016 Golden State Warriors in Game 7. Warriors win it. 118-113. 118-113. Welcome into Locked on Kings. I'm Jason Ross here on iTunes, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, all the different places you can find us today. More draft conversation with James Ham, Kings Insider will join us in a moment, but a quick recap of what happened on Wednesday night in the NBA Finals. So now, obviously, a 3-0 series lead. No team has ever come back in the NBA Finals from a 3-0 deficit. Cleveland had a golden opportunity. As they said and others had said, they played about 45 minutes of amazing basketball but could not finish. Durant with 31, including the big three. Clay was tremendous with 30. Curry, 26, continues to rebound the ball well. And for the Cavs, LeBron, 39-11-9, said he's never faced more firepower than he's gone against the Warriors. Kyrie had 38, but it was the fourth quarter, 29-19, in which the Warriors outscored the Cavaliers. And so the Warriors take a commanding 3-0 series lead. And now game four of that series takes place on Friday. All right, let's get into it. More of our draft coverage, kind of more centralized on the Sacramento Kings with Kings insider James Ham. He's locked on Kings again. James, you always like to be locked on, don't you? I do. Locked on, <laughs> locked up, whatever. I'm good. Whatever works, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I just go with the flow. There you go. Well, you've been busy. I mean, this is supposed to be, I guess, basketball really never rests. Maybe August and September. That's about it. Otherwise, it's either games, summer league free agency, draft. I mean, there's always something going on, and right now we're, we're closing in just a couple of weeks away from the NBA draft, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start there with what happens at this time every year, James, are rumors, and Kings are certainly being circulated in plenty of them. Oh, the Kings are going to move up to three to get Fox. They are so in love with Fox. 
How valid are, are some of the present rumors that are out there about the Kings' desire to get Fox and maybe even move up to get him? I think there's a lot of smokescreen going on right now, Jason. I don't think there's any way that the Lakers pass on ball at number two. I mean, clearly he needed to have a really good interview on on Wednesday, which, you know, by all accounts, I think it went pretty well. Uh, and LeVar Ball didn't show up. Uh, I think Josh Jackson, I- I'm hearing that he's a pretty good lock to go number three. Um, you know, the the 76ers really like what he brings. He's got a real nice intensity on both sides of the the court. And then you get to Phoenix. Uh, you know, I, I just think that this is a, a draft that that you have to gamble if you're the Kings with five on keeping five and ten because it really comes down to does Jason Tatum go number four to Phoenix or do they draft uh, do they draft Fox, the guy that you really want? And I think gambling on that decision, I would I would talk to Phoenix and, and see if there's another way to get them to not take Fox. Uh, you know, by taking on one of their bad contracts or something, I could see that going from five to four and just absorbing a contract. But it really, I wouldn't deal five and 10, but I guess I'll, there is a caveat. If you believe that De'Aaron Fox is a superstar, if you believe in your heart that he's going to be, you know, I don't know who you want to compare him to, like John Wall or, uh, Mike Connolly Jr. I know that's the that Doug Christie loves to say he's Mike Connolly Jr. Um, but if you believe that, then I think you do trade five and ten for him, and I don't think you you think twice about it because in, in the grand scheme of things, if you can get a superstar point guard and it costs you the fifth and tenth pick, and he's only 19 years old, then you got to do it. So I, I guess I've contradicted myself, uh, but. It's going to be wild, and I, I think the top five, is are they're all really good, and they're all at a position to need for the Sacramento Kings. And if if I was sitting there, I, I would get anxious. I would try a lot of things, but in the end, I would probably take five and ten and, and hope that one of those guys, well, one of the five is going to be there, and yeah. that's where it goes. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right. I think there, the, the one part of the rumor that's true, I think, is that the Kings have a strong desire for De'Aaron Fox. But you're right, James, that if it goes, you know, as some expect, a lot of mock drafts will have Fultz and then Ball. And then, as you said, maybe Josh Jackson. It's that if Tatum goes four, it's a roll of the dice, but you could just get the guy you want and he might just be sitting there right there for you at five without doing anything. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, if Phoenix, if he is sitting there at four and you're worried Phoenix is going to take him, would you trade five uh, to move up to four and take 45 million bucks and Brandon Knight and have him be your mentor and backup point guard for the next mm-hmm. three to five years. Uh, well, three years. Mm-hmm. I-, I think you would have to consider that. I mean, I'm not going to take Tyson Chandler's money. Uh, they've got a couple other bad contracts, but those are things that I think the Kings need to look at. And, and the other thing they can do is they can also look to another team like a Portland who's shopping players and say, look, Mo Harkless and, and, We'll we'll take a, his salary and you give us a 20th pick or you give us a 26th pick and then take that pick and you know maybe move up a spot or two in the draft. Especially a team like Phoenix that would like to they need more more talent more you know selections. So you know those are things that I would shop for if I were the Kings right now. Um, I, I would just be so leery on five and ten because I think yeah. there are some really good players at ten. And so if you do have to draft, 
a, a small forward at, you know, either Tatum or Jackson at number five, you come back at number 10 and, you know, it's possible Tilakina and Tilakina is off the board. It's possible Dennis Smith is off the board. Um, but even, you know, they, they had Donovan Mitchell in on, on Wednesday for a workout. And if he can play the point guard, you know, you're looking at a six foot three guy with a six foot 10 wingspan, who is a two-way player. He's super, super athletic. And maybe he fits the mold of, of a guy you can groom into a point guard. And and so there are other avenues for this team to build without just getting to De'Aaron Fox. So let's assume they don't make the trade, but they're still at five. And we're going to assume that Ball and Fultz are gone. And in this scenario, James, Fox is gone. That hurts what the Kings want, but let's say he's gone. doesn't matter to which team. And which of the next guys would they be most pleased with? We don't know who the other one would go because four have to go, but let's say Tatum, Jackson, Fox, I don't know, Monk, Isaac, they're all available. What, what do you think the Kings would do at five if Fox basically is off the board? I really do believe that the top five is set. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe uh, Malik Monk somehow slides up into the top three and – you know, Philadelphia chooses him because he makes a lot of sense for them. But I think the Kings, in in most situations, uh, if Fox is gone, they have no choice but to choose whoever's remaining between Jackson, Ball, uh, or Tatum. Yeah. And it's just because all three of them have all-star potential. And, you know, you hear this thrown around a little bit, you know, that Tatum reminds people of, of Rudy Gay. And I think people should look around and say – you wouldn't take Rudy Gay at the fifth pick. I mean, Rudy Gay is an exceptional player. Has he won? No, but see, that's the difference. When you're comparing Rudy Gay-type ability and Rudy Gay-type personality, they're completely different you know, people. And so maybe there's whatever's missing from Rudy Gay that's allowed him to be you know, extremely successful in wins and losses. I mean, he's been successful – I, you know, statistically, but it wins and losses. He hasn't really been, but if somehow Jason Tatum has those things and he is Rudy Gay incarnate, you know, as far as the jumper and the smoothness and the ability to pass and rebound and, and even defend a little bit. I mean, I just think that he's, he's gotta be a guy that you, you have to take because he does have all-star potential. And a lot of these other guys, they might have all-star potential. Isaac, uh, Markinen, uh, Dennis Smith is an incredible athlete, but he's got a whole bunch of red flags. You know, a lot of these guys right here at the between six and ten, they're they're gonna be they have a good chance to be good players. But if you study the NBA draft, you know that what forty five fifty percent of the top ten are complete busts historically. Um, some of these guys aren't gonna work out, and so you're trying to get guys that have as little. They have huge upside, but also as little bustability as possible. And I think, again, Tatum is a guy that I, there's no way he's not going to be a solid, solid NBA player. Now, if he's a superstar, that's a whole nother question. I don't know if he's that, but he, he does have all-star potential. James, you always hear that you take best player available. So whatever those five we give the Kings, how, how tightly is that related to number 10? And my point being is, let's say they take Tatum at five and then they get to 10 and the point guards are kind of gone and they like Isaac and he's there. Well, kind of similar position. I know you, there's positionless basketball. I mean, are the five and 10 tied in? If they pick a point, they're going big. If they pick a wing, are they 
going a point. I mean, are they connected that way? Or are they just clearly going to take the best guys at five and at 10? Well, I think in a perfect world, you would try to get both of your, your biggest positions of need taken care of. And that is clearly the point guard and small forward position. The team has other needs. Clearly they, they need a, a banger at the power forward position. Um, they need not just one point guard. They really need two point guards, but I don't know if you want to do two young point guards. Um, but when you look at a player like Isaac or a player like Markinen, let's say that both of those players are, or one of those two players is available. They both have so much potential that I don't think you can pass on them. Even if you have to go, you, you land Tatum and then you come back and either Markinen or, or Isaac are sitting there on the board at 10 it's a no-brainer. You choose them. That you do go best player available, and I can see Markin in long term fitting in really nice next to Scal, uh, fitting in as a really nice big in a three big rotation or a four big rotation. Uh, I can see Isaac playing the three and the four, and you know you, uh, we've got that moniker, the thin towers. Hmm. I mean, if you could see Willie Cauley Stein, Scalabissier, and Jonathan Isaac playing together on a front line, that would be absolutely nuts. If Isaac pans out, right. and that's why, again, he's such a, a high-risk, high-reward player, and Jason Tatum is such a, a just a, a much more solid, solid pick, a lot less bust potential. So, yeah, if Jonathan Isaac, if you end up with two forwards at that spot, uh, or a forward and a power forward slash center in Markkinen, um, you do it. You do it, and you hope for the best. I mean, again, Dennis Smith has a ton of potential, and he may fall to 10, but you, you, at number five, you can't take Dennis Smith. He's got too many red flags as far as personality issues and a torn ACL in, in college, I mean, in high school. So you can't take him at 10, but if he, I mean, at five, but if he's there at 10, he's such a lower risk at 10 than mm-hmm. he is at five, and, and you take him. And you, if somehow he falls, and you might have, maybe even the best point guard out of out of the lot. And you, you just don't know because he does have that much potential. So I, I do, in a perfect world, they get a point guard and a small forward with those two picks. Um, but we all know this is the NBA, and the draft goes crazy sideways all the time. And someone else is going to be a late charger. We still have two weeks to go. And someone's going to fly up out of nowhere and, and all of a sudden being mentioned – in the top 10 and one of these other prospects is going to start sliding down the board. And I, I, I mean, it's very clear that that always happens and the Kings will probably benefit from that being at number 10. Well, let's go ahead and do the perfect world thing. Two weeks from now, Kings draft night ends five and 10. In your opinion, what do you think the perfect world would be draft night? What's, what's the hall there look like that would be perfect for the Kings? You think? Well, I think again, De'Aaron Fox is a perfect fit for the Sacramento Kings. He's young. He's so fast. He's got a, a ton of upside, uh, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. He can rebound. He can pass the ball. Um, we all know that that John Calipari at Kentucky, he he typecasts his players so specifically. And if you look back at the course of time, and, and you look at Derrick Rose, Tyreek Evans, John Wall, all point guards for for Calipari. Um, this is another guy that you could see that when you get him in your building, that he's a completely different player than what he was in college because they typically have so much more to give and he just demands one thing out of him. So again, 
all of those guys were the aggra- aggressive attacking point guard that gets to the rim and hits the corner guy for for corner threes. And that's what De'Aaron Fox was asked to do. It's what he did uh, his whole entire freshman season. But when you get him in your house, all of a sudden you realize that he's got so many more tools. And I think that that's going to be something that they find with him. I mean, again, you look at DeMarcus Cousins as a college player. You look at Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, you look at uh, all of these, Anthony Davis. They all look like great talents, but Calipari had such a specific role for all of those guys. And you get him to the league, and all of a sudden DeMarcus Cousins can literally bring a ball up on a fast break and go between his legs and shake and shimmy and and hit a three and, and do all these things that we never, ever saw in the college game. So, again, De'Aaron Fox, number five. And then a perfect world, I would say a perfect world at number 10 is that either Isaac or Mark had entered there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we already went through a little bit, but um, if both of them were there, People are going to call me crazy, but uh, Markinen has a an elite NBA skill that he walks in the door and can absolutely drain. He's the best shooter in this draft, in, in my opinion. And if you have a seven-footer foot, who's the best shooter in the draft and can play the, the four and the five, he's got to toughen up. He's got to become a better rebounder. But what are you looking at, worst-case scenario, like a Ryan Anderson-type player? Um, I think that he's a better uh, again, risk reward candidate than Isaac, but I really like Isaac as well. And if either one of those guys are available at ten, that would be a huge, huge boon for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, it'd be a good night for them come draft night. Couple other things about this team too. Maybe uh, besides the draft, we saw a week or so ago the decision to say goodbye to Anthony Tolliver. We know they liked him, but it was more of a cost cutting thing, freeing up some money. Is that something you might see the team do as well with with Aaron Aflalo? I know there's still a decision on him. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that Aaron Aflalo is back with this team next season. Um, And that's not a knock on Aaron Aflalo. He just wasn't a great fit with this roster. And he was also very, very inconsistent. And if you're looking at a $12.5 million decision, $12.5 million uh, for next season if you keep him, $1.5 $1.5 million if you buy him out. I think there's no question you buy him out uh, and, and just clear up that $11 million cap space. And even if it's trying with another veteran like him and seeing if you just find a better fit, there is a reason why you made such a short-term commitment to him. And that's because you needed to – they were looking for player types to stick in and, and see if they would work with Cousins, see if they would work with the pieces that they had coming into the season, see if they work with Rudy Kay. Uh, Darren Collison and, and all those guys are are either gone or there's a good chance they'll be gone by the by the end of summer and so you really have to look at it and say you know he does he fit at all and the answer is no and again Aaron's a nice guy I just don't see the Kings doing it especially after Tolliver because Tolliver is a great guy and a, and a really good locker room guy and they weren't willing to do his contract for $6 million, there's no way they're going to give Aaron Aflalo $11 million for next season. Um, so I would assume that, and that puts the Kings, from my accounting, um, roughly around $62 million in cap space coming into the summer, which means they can really be a player in so many different ways. They can, uh, again, free agency is one avenue, but also trades like uh, we talked about with like a Mo Harkless trade mm-hmm. where you're taking back an asset from Portland to clear some of their their cap space, they're 133 million in dedicated salary before the offseason even starts, 
and they they're barely an eight seed in the playoffs. And so, I mean, you look at their roster, and they're I think they're eleven million dollars over the luxury tax, which dollar for dollar, and then two dollars for every dollar. I mean, they're going to pay a ton for that roster. So I expect them to be active. But there are other teams like that that might be willing to dump some salary on the Kings if it means uh, you know freeing up money for themselves and. Uh, they're going to have to give up an asset to do it. And so I think that the Kings are going to be a little bit of a cash dump player in this offseason. So lots of good stuff. But again, it, it, the question was a follow and the answer is no, but there's a reason. Yeah. And, and you know, before I want to get to the, the contract situation for the team in a minute, but how about the guys, other guys, other candidates that are free agents or options that they could try to decide what are the chances that guys like Rudy, uh, Collison, you mentioned Lawson, Ben. Any of those guys realistic targets to be back on the team? You know, I don't think there's any way that that Rudy is back. I mean, um, I was very clear from the beginning. I could see it in his eyes when when we were asking him early in the season if there's any chance he'll be back, and he was looking at us and saying, "No, there's no chance." He was opting out from day one. He tried to get traded during training camp uh right before training camp he tried to strong arm and get traded um you know at the trade deadline he would have been traded if it was not for the fact that he blew his achilles i don't see him back um as far as ben macklemore you know it's been a good run for him uh or maybe it hasn't i'm not really sure (laughs) uh you know looking at his first four years in the league it's been so up and down in yo-yo and he just needs a fresh start, and I don't think that there's any way that the Kings extend a qualifying offer like 5.3 or 5.4 million dollars because if he accepts it, uh, I don't think you you want him on your roster for that much money. I think it's too much money. He's going to have to shop himself and sort of earn his keep in the league. Maybe sign a two-year you know contract with with some potential to grow with the team. Uh, I just don't see it in Sacramento. Uh, and, you know, that might shock people, but look, they have so many shooting guards. You know, it's Buddy, it's Malachi, uh, Bogdanovich is likely coming over. Um, they even have Langston Galloway who can play that position, So and Garrett Temple who can play that position. Where would you even find him minutes? Why would you really even eat the roster spot? And the Kings are short on roster spots. That's a big issue. Um, you know, if you, again, Willie, the four rookies, uh, that's five roster spots, Langston Galloway and, and Garrett Temple. Uh, that's seven. Uh, you add in Costa Kufis, that's eight. Now you look at this draft, they've got two first rounders, a second rounder. All of a sudden we're up to 11 roster spots. Bogdanovich yeah. makes 12. And now you're looking at three or four roster spots because the, the league is doing the two-way contracts for 16 and 17th roster spot. And now you got to spend $60 million and you only have three roster spots. That's not going to fly. So again, I just don't see where Ben, where does Ben fit in that equation? And the point guards are, are going to be an interesting situation. I think we still have to see what happens with Ty Lawson with his, his legal stuff. That should be happening any day, actually. I, I'll probably need to check on that as far as where he's going and what's happening with him. Um, so that's one guy that they would like on a budget deal if if that's if he comes back with a clean. Uh, legal bill of health. Um, and then Darren Collison, if if they draft De'Aaron Fox, I think Darren goes and finds a different spot to play. If they, they swing and they miss, Darren probably makes a lot of sense as a guy who can fill in for the next year or two and really you know help solidify that position and keep you going. 
if you walked in the next season and your two point guards were uh, Ty Lawson and, and Darren Collison and you added some really nice pieces on your front court and you, you just didn't get a point guard, I think you would be okay. I don't think you're going to be great, but I think you would still be okay. And so I, I don't know what's going to happen with those two, but I don't think the door is completely closed. When you mentioned earlier about free agents or not, like the cash buyouts of other teams taking on some other contracts, with all the money they have, doesn't it seem more likely that that's a scenario they'll go than the actual free agent market, whether it's because you know where the team has been, they haven't been a great team. It feels like it's an easier selection maybe taking from a team that's willing to move somebody as opposed to actually signing a free agent, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point, and especially – if you can get a good player, I mean, like if I'm looking at Port- Portland's roster yeah. and they're trying to, and they're dangling uh, Myers Leonard, then I just tell them go kick rocks. <laughs> you know, if they're, if, if they're offering, uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, you um, mentioned Harkless uh, earlier. That makes some sense. Yeah. I love Harkless. Yeah, I mean, if you young. can get Har- Harkless and the 20th or the 26th, I don't care either one. That's still an asset. And I wouldn't even keep that asset. I would use that asset to either trade for a 2019 pick where you don't have one or to move up with your 10. If you can move from 10 to eight and give up the, you know, and give up two picks, you know, give up the 26 and the 10th to move to eight. Hey, and you get Harkless. I really think that you can build in a lot of different ways. And that's kind of how I would look at it. But then again, if the Kings are able to land De'Aaron Fox and it costs them, you know, it costs them five and ten, and they they're willing to bite the bullet and do it. But then you're able to you know get back in and and get a guy like Harkless and a twenty or a twenty six. Yeah. I still think that you've you've done some good work. And then in free agency, you go chase young. Uh, a lot of them will be restricted free agents, and you overpay dramatically. But you do whatever you got to do to get the guys that you target. So again, I've been a proponent of signing Otto Porter and possibly even get Otto Porter a max money deal. Now that's contingent on the Kings getting a De'Aaron Fox at five and not having Jason Tatum at five. Um, you know, but an Otto Porter makes perfect sense. He's 23 years old. He's defensive minded. He shoots the three ball. Uh, he rebounds. He does all the things that you need from sort of the three and D. Uh, he's even a little bit more versatile than just a three and D three. Um, and so, yeah, I could see the Kings chasing young players. I don't see them throwing big money at some crazy targets and, and having everybody go, Oh my gosh, what are they doing? I mean, you can't have a bunch of, you know, 21 year old guys, 19, 20, 21 year old guys, and then add some, you know, months, add Carmelo Anthony, try to add Carmelo. That just doesn't make any sense. So I think they're going to be aggressive, but it's going to be young players with tons of upside, and they're probably going to over have to pay. And if they overpay, people should really just calm down and realize that the Kings are so healthy cap-wise because, I mean, long-term, because they have so many young players, and they'll have a first-round pick next year as well. And so all of these young players, you know, they just don't make any money. And by the time they make money, you're going to start seeing whatever players that you add now, their con- contracts are going to fall off the books. And you're you're just going to have this cycle of, you know, freeing up money when your your young guys come up for extensions. And if, you know, two or three of these first round picks from last year show up and become really, really good players, 
well, you're going to have to pay them, but that's okay. You still have tons of cap space moving forward. So flexibility has been really good with this team. Um, signing short-term deals, even you know the Garrett Temple deal was three years, but the Aflalo deal, the, uh, the Tolliver deal really, really look good. The Costa Cufas deal still looks good. You could probably do the same thing that the Kings did with Marco Bellinelli last season where they were able to get a 22nd pick for Marco. Probably do that same exact thing with Costa Cufas this, this offseason where you have a really, really solid NBA veteran big who is under contract for two years, $8 million. He, he's a good citizen, and he's probably worth to a playoff team. He's probably worth a first-round pick. So, I mean, I think they've done some nice things as far as flexibility and keeping themselves loose and, and being able to be players in a market in a lot of different ways. Yeah, when you mentioned Porter, it kind of stunned me a little bit, but the more I think about it, I, I don't know that I'm fully comfortable with him getting a max, maybe making 20-plus when no one else might make more than 10. But as you illustrated, it kind of it makes some sense in that the next time those young guys are up, you'll know whether or not they can play, and Porter will be a couple years in. And with this team, yeah, I mean, it, it could be something that works. you got to pay somebody because the, the contracts are getting to that level now. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to pay somebody. Somebody's going to have to eat a whole lot of cap space. Yeah. And, I mean, the Kings could sign three guys to $20 million deals. True. And, and still, you know, I mean, they've got so much cap space. Now they're going to have to pay Bogdanovich if he comes over. Yeah, what's That's his target, between, you think? I think it's going to be between 5 and $9 million. Okay. I don't think per season. I don't think it's going to be huge. I wouldn't doubt that he signs like a maybe a three-year $21 million deal or $24 million deal where it goes, it, it escalates every year. Um, but we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, he's really showed a lot of potential and a lot of maturity. And I think the Kings would like to see him, you know, I, I mean, I know they, they would love to see him in a, in a Kings uniform this season. Um, and, and Vlade was over there with the European championships where he, he took home the the trophy and, you know, had just this miraculous run and, and did such good things. Um, Kings fans should be really excited about him because I think even in this draft, he would probably be a guy, you know, who would go between 10 and 12, maybe t- 10 and 13 very, very solid player in a very good draft. Um, last year, he probably would have gone a lot higher because the draft wasn't nearly as strong. And so uh, maybe he's going to be a little bit older, um, but that's okay. He's more mature. He's played professionally for years and years. And I think the Kings really found a nice little uh, steal in, in as a throw-in in that trade last season when they traded nine for 13 and 28. And if Scalabissier and Bogdanovich turn out to be as good as they they can be, um, you know that that deal looks just incredible. And then that's without even considering what Papianis could be, and we just don't know. It's too young. He's too young. It's too early for that to really judge him. Um, again, I just see the Kings that are free agents going to want to line up to come in the door. Maybe not all of them, but if you're waving around twenty twenty five million dollars and Washington's already at the the salary cap uh the luxury tax threshold, they just can't pay him and they know that, and it sucks for them because they've groomed this kid and he's taken major steps in all four years in the league. but I don't think there's any way they match a twenty two twenty three million dollar offer for Otto Porter, and maybe he gets a bigger deal from the nets, maybe you know there are a lot of different ways that this thing could play out. But, you know, if you miss on him, maybe you go back to Portland and say, how about Alan Crabb? We'll take Alan Crabb and, and a first round pick and we'll, you know, we'll throw him in our mix. So I think, again, there's so many different ways because the Kings have so much flexibility. 
All right, last one for you, James. We mentioned all the young guys that are coming back, whether it's Papianis, Scal, Buddy. I'll even throw Willie in there because he's still you know relatively new in this league. Which of those guys do you think makes the biggest jump next year? And that's tough. Um, I think Buddy is going to do very similar to what he did at this in the last half of the season where he averaged when he got traded to the Kings, he averaged over 15 points a game. Right. Um, I, I think he'll be that type of player. Um, he'll probably even uh, maybe for the next year or two, he could be their leading scorer. Um, so I, I see a big jump from buddy. Um, but I think there's no way uh, that Scali Sierra doesn't take a tremendous leap and and really become a player what i love is when you go in for prospect workouts and uh the prospects go to leave the court and then you see willie and scowl and buddy sneak onto the court Mm -hmm. and they're all here and they're all working out and they're all working together and they really have this camaraderie that you know they want to build something here and to me that's really exciting but if i'm looking at all three of those guys there's only one that doesn't have a ceiling and that's scowl. And so I think he's the guy who takes a huge leap. I mean, if you really, his sample size last season was so small, but you know, in 33 games, he averaged 8.8 points and 4.9 rebounds. And if you look at those numbers per 36, I mean, all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, 17 points and 9.5 rebounds. That's some really, really solid numbers for a kid who just kind of got thrust in late in the season and even had a lot of games early on where he played one or two minutes and, you know, kind of hurt his, his per minute stuff. So I think he's got all-star potential. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to be an all-star, but he's got all-star potential. And again, if he was in this year's draft after what he just did, I, I have a tough time thinking that he wouldn't be a top five pick in this year's draft. Yeah. I mean, at, at 20 years old, he's, he's got so much upside so much length and athleticism and such a soft touch and adding on to it. His story is incredible. His smile is incredible and his personality is just absolutely off the charts. He, he's one of the best kids that we've seen come in through Sacramento. And so I think he's a guy that Kings fans should be pulling for. Well, James, I can honestly say it is an exciting time. It really is for Kings and Kings fans next couple of weeks. And then with free agency there, they're going to be players and all of that. So it's going to be fun. James as always, Thank you for the time, and uh, we'll do this again sometime soon. Anytime, J. Ross. My thanks to James Ham, Kings Insider, for joining us, getting more perspective on the draft and kind of the Kings' offseason look and what they might do. And think about all those options the Kings are going to have with cap money, and that's going to be a big, big summer ahead for the Sacramento Kings. Again, thank you so much for listening. Back again tomorrow. For the Friday edition of Locked on Kings, join us with our Friday mailbag, jason.ross at cbsradio.com or on Twitter at jasonross1140. Send me questions for the Friday mailbag. Thanks again for listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.